Don't you give up, don't you let away Talking about a forever after Don't you give up, don't you dare give in Give up, don't you give up Don't you dare give in Boy, am I excited to be back with my PRN family With my We almost almost lost me, that's right, I I had a little, um, I had a, an incident, I got in a fight with a deer tick uh, in the Mid-Hudson Valley who kicked my butt um, and kind of gave me nine positive bands of lime, So, uh, and I prefer lemon, so yeah, it's problematic. But I'm back, I'm feeling stronger, happy to be here, thrilled, and hope that, uh, how are you doing, Deborah? Doing fine? Yeah? Always. It's good to see you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up. You know why I'm excited? Um, anybody who's tuned in here to us, especially anyone who's listening live, one of your the stalwart folks who um, are looking f- for whatever reason to listen to perhaps some empowering information about uh, discrimination or women's rights in the workplace issue. But we know, as we've found out subsequent to starting our stint here on PRN.FM, the Progressive Radio Network, that people listen to us not live mostly and that's what this seems to all be about podcasts in the car do you know that there are 52 unclaimed minutes they say mm-hmm. of everybody driving in their car yes i read that did too. you read that somewhere mm-hmm. so people listen to you know obviously not just us and listen to people who you know I'm sure radio talk show hosts that have millions of listeners even live um but but i do know from the emails we've gotten and from the calls that we've fielded that people listen to us at other times so i want to say this and we're going to talk today about sort of our end of year program going to revisit general basic principles of discrimination workplace issues i want you to understand it and if you you or anyone else are listening to this at any time you could call us this is what it's all about you call us 1-800-1866 femlaws 212-766-9100. Two one two seven six six nine one zero zero. You can email Deborah. You can email me, Jack Tuckner. Um, I'll provide during the day and at the end our email addresses, but they're on our website at womensrightsny.com. Because if you call us with any question, they're not. There's no too stupid question. Okay, fundamental question. If you're worried, if you're dealing with workplace challenges, you know, work at work. Okay, work is everybody's sort of second dysfunctional home. Mm-hmm. away from their primary dysfunctional family, right? I mean, that's, and, you know, you're very lucky if you're listening to this program and you have an outstanding job that is secure and pays you what you're worth and is generating a pension that will still be there in 10 or 20 years, which, you know, good luck if you think it for certain will. And you have benefits and you know, you feel like that's really it. You know that you're going to sort of coast off into retirement and perhaps into the next life, you know, knowing everything is taken care of. Your house is paid off. You have the same apartment. You're taking care of your pets, your children. God bless if you feel that way. Now, we, know, you know what? I don't feel that way. And I think that, I mean, it's certainly, I'm, I have my own concerns in work and in these culture that we live in. You don't need me to tell you that. If you, anybody's paying attention, listen to Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, read Alternet. Just pay attention. Look what... Citibank just accomplished. Did is you that see that comparison? I th- was that alternate? I think I posted that well, on my Facebook. I don't Facebook. know where it was. I don't even but know. they did a comparison of what Citibank wrote as a proposal. the same thing. Verbatim. And right. a- essentially verbatim. Right. There were a few sentences that right. they added in, but it was essentially just like, um, what's, the, uh, what's the other one? With Dodd-Frank? No, um, there's another organization. But anyway, that was Citibank exactly writing the law. Right, well, C- Citibank or Citibank. And City- the White House lobbying for people to pass this, to get everybody on board to pass what, this. So what, what, I mean, what people, people don't understand what we're talking about, Citibank, Citigroup, really, again, this, this the trans- world's one of the world's biggest transnational financial institutions, had their lawyers and lobbyists write, you know, a, 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 a sort of a BS, sort of a writer, that basically rev- rev- re, um, revokes. Re- revokes, retracts, reverses the gains made, the democratically sort of, you know, catalyzed gains that were made uh, through Dodd-Frank and the laws that helped rein in the criminal Wall Street financial gambling. institutions that were gambling with these exotic derivatives with our money. It was our money because we're the ones who bailed them out. So here, finally, when all of the, and, and it was not even, it wasn't what, 
progressives really wanted in terms of holding, bringing them back to right. just having quiet, safe, boring banks, unlike you know gambling casinos. But it went a certain way to make them responsible when they want to gamble right. and they, lose money. They okay. gambled, well, but it's, it's, but it's their gone risk. now. So Citibank wrote it. Right. Congress adopted it almost verbatim. Right. With and and there was really nothing anyone could do. And again, most of us, most of us are kind of dimly aware, or just don't really seem to care. It's like they're all crooks. Right. It doesn't matter. But we're kind of going, you know, the heck in a handcart. And it's sad and it's scary. So what I'm saying is, for the, those of us who still have jobs, our kids have jobs, our significant others have jobs. There are issues that come up with jobs. We have less power, less rights as employees now than we ever have had, at least in the last 75 years since. You know, since before the New Deal and the Great Society and all the changes made by FDR and Truman and Johnson, that gave us a real middle class and a safety net. Um, you know, what what's sort of scary is now that we have we have the the he, the, the new chair of the Senate Finance Committee is some wackadoodle t, t no t, like Tea Party North Carolinian yeah. I forgot his name, whose you know goal is to like give us we're going to be. 65 when before you know it you know $6,000 vouchers to cover our issues or all of us by then we're not going to get any you know coverage when they See, get rid of medicare this is because most people in the senate almost all senators and the huge percentage of uh, representatives are millionaires right so that they have so right. much money already that right. they are ascent- they really are out of touch right with how I try to survive. Right. But they should, even if they were millionaires, and there are probably some, I don't know which of the progressives and Bernie Sanders isn't. But, but even people like Elizabeth Warren, who I'm sure has a couple of dollars uh, and who's been a, you know, a Harvard Law professor for decades. Um, you know, the idea is even if you're wealthy, you're still not supposed to be simply taking bribes, obviously, from corporate lobbyists and then doing their bidding because we're a democracy and you're supposed to give a damn about your constituency and about the least among us. So, right. you know, the fact is, look, there's a huge, as we know, there's a, a a huge gap between, you know, sort of the haves and the have mores, as Bush said. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's go uh, jump right let's in. Let's jump right okay. in because Thank people, you. Yeah, are people are listening to this. So, here, so here's the... listening for some content. So here's right. the thing. Again, help. They're listening for help. So here's this. Here's a story about your life in these United States. If you're working, you don't have a contract. I'm, I'd love to hear if you have a contract. Call uh, us. You know now. what I propose? Yeah. Let me start. This Please. Is, this Absolutely. is what when people call the office. This is what I take them through. I ask them questions that help us determine the laws that apply. Different size companies in different counties, etc., would have uh, uh, different laws. Right. And then I go through, and they tell me a little bit about what happened. Perfect. So, as an example, today. Um, well, I won't even use that. But so then I'll go through and I'll explain. I'll ask some questions. Well, why do you? Because the oftentimes they'll use people will use keywords like I feel I'm being harassed or I'm being targeted. That was the caller today. I'm being targeted. Um, uh, this I'm the only one this has happened to. So when I hear th- that's what I'm listening for is where the discrimination <coughs> is. So I explain that basically all the laws are written to protect employers, not employees. Uh, Employers are allowed to be mean, rude, nasty, hostile, disrespectful, unreasonable, irrational. You can be hired making $50,000. Two months later, they could say, this job is only worth twenty-five. Take it or leave it. Again, completely legal. You can be terminated at any time for any reason or no reason. You can be, you can be, it is legal for them to say you stole. You could take a lie detector test that proves you did not steal. Mm-hmm. And point. additionally, have video footage showing you never were in the stock room, so you couldn't possibly have stolen. And you were in Ireland over the weekend. And you were on vacation and still be fired for stealing. Right. And why that is really important is because... When you you this is a place you've worked for four and a half years or seven years, you need to use it as a reference. Right. And what are they going to say? Not that you were an exemplary, you know, employee, that you were loyal, good, true, faithful, perfect attendance, all that stuff. Was he, you know, was he or she fired? Yes. 
eligible for rehire? No. And that, because I, I know, because I do references all the time, it's, it signals, so who's going to hire this person? Mm-hmm. So this is what, so I explain all the laws favor the employers. The only laws that favor in, or that protect employees are civil rights protections. Uh, civil rights protections are uh, the protections based on a protected status. A protected status is something about yourself you cannot change. Age, race, gender, nationality, sexual orientation, disability, pregnancy, and sexual harassment. So, uh, and then I proceed to explain. So, now that you understand that, when you say targeted, does any of that apply? And I can usually sense if they're pulling it out of their butt. Or, yeah, you know what? And then they'll give an example of something that... I'm the only whatever. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, you know, it used to be the person who had the job before me. Or, the you know, and then I, it's like, yeah, well, that sounds like discrimination. I'm not the attorney. I'll write this up. I'll have them review it. But that's what I explain. And right there... Most of them, that's more information than any of the lawyers that they've gotten from anybody else that they've called. Right. And right there, even though we may not be able to help them because, you know, we only are in that employment discrimination realm, there has to be a law that the employer violated Mm -hmm. in order to give the attorney leverage to go back Mm-hmm. to say to the employer, you violated our client's civil rights. Exactly. So that they can get any, and, you know, to open up any kind of discussion about uh, a settlement or something like that based on the violation. Right. So, so that's the first part of what I talk about with everybody who calls our office. Okay. So basically you gave them the framework of... Right. If they so if they say like the client did the other day, I was actually just looking for the email from yesterday where, but I can't immediately find it. Where she said something like they're cruel and nasty and vindictive, and yeah. you know, and I wrote to her, I wrote to her, and said, unfortunately, a cruel, nasty, vindictive isn't illegal. Okay, so same thing. Exactly. You're saying so you can work in a hostile, called hostile work environment. People right. know that sort of a, a buzz phrase. <clears throat> it's a hostile work environment, and what we always say, which is the truth. Is that what's your point? You're you if you work in a hostile work environment because your bosses or your supervisor or the entire company ethos is nasty, competitive. There's infighting. It's hostile. They're just jerks, or they're just mean and they don't like you. <clears throat> get another job, most likely. If you yeah. can't identify, that's what you're asking them to identify the protected status. Sometimes it's a protected so-called activity. Sometimes it has to do with a leave of absence. Um, you know, sometimes it has to do with uh, something that happens after you're treated differently, like how are you treated differently if, as a woman, which probably happens to probably, you know, I never see stats on this when we're talking mostly about domestic violence or sexual assault. You could say how many, you know, one out of three women in a lifetime, mm-hmm. one out of four women on a campus, one out of three, et cetera. But it's got to be women from the age of 16 to 40 <clears throat> that are working. Well, it's living in the world, but let's just talk about work where you're kind of confined to a place where you usually have power differentials and you're going to sort of report to someone who kind of lords it over you. It seems to me that most women or many women, I don't know if it's you know most that are, it's not going to be an unusual situation where a female says, you know what? Right, damned if I wasn't getting some vibes from my boss that I was uncomfortable with. And it's the way he's clearly he's attracted to me. He's a guy. He's staring at my breasts. Whatever. What do you do? What happens? When, and again, there's 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 no easy answer for that no. because if you have a good, you know, there are people are people, and maybe your boss is staring at your breasts and doesn't even is kind of too unaware to understand that that's rude or that he doesn't have the wherewithal to, to even get that. So I wouldn't say, nor I don't think you would say to a client who called on the first day and says, what do I do that my employer seems to keep talking to my boobs? I don't think you'd say, write a letter to HR, no. right? right? Because it's too much. And what are your goals? If you're, you know, you, don't you want this job? Maybe, maybe you might say to him, you know what, John, I'm, I'm up here or something, you know, see, maybe he'll say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm a schmuck. You know, I didn't mean that. I'm God. And he'll, and he'll blush. Um, you know, deeply. 
Who knows? So it is, it is sort of an incremental thing, but, but I'm thinking all women who are treated differently are subjected to sort of unwelcome, unsolicited, unwanted sexual energy and anything, innuendo, mm-hmm. you know, verbal, visual. Um, if, they, if a woman pushes back and says, you know what, um, thank you, no, any, anything like that, if there's then some backlash, which people are people, and it might just be simple, well, you know what, you had your chance and I don't really like you so much anymore. It might not be a firing right or a demotion, but just like, shit, look what happened to me just because I didn't play with this guy. Right. So, you know, anyway, so, so while we're on that subject, let's just, again, because it's our concentration in our firm, sex or gender, same thing. We're not talking gender identity. Under our city law, the class is gender, and under federal law, it's sex. Right, so if a woman does call you and says, um, and let's talk about what first of all within within sex discrimination, let's talk the major categories. There is first of all sexual harassment, right? So what's sexual harassment? If one believes, male or female, that one is experiencing some energy—that's the best way I could sort of frame it, because it could be an act, a statement, an omission. Something that's subtle, something that's direct. It could be explosive. It could be, you know, smoking gun. But something that makes you feel, as a woman or a man, that the terms of your employment, the conditions, maybe the a benefit of employment, maybe a privilege of employment. There's something about your job that's sort of now hinging on the fact that you're being seen as a sexual person. You're being viewed through a prism or a lens of what can this person sort of do for me, even if it's just clear that... Well, isn't it using a certain sense of power, that when power well, comes in... Well, what about... Well, it, it is when power comes in, but no, not necessarily, because what happens, like today, just today, this morning, I was waiting at the Apple store in Grand Central Station and sitting there waiting for my iPad to be fixed, and there was a young, attractive woman sitting next to me, uh, sitting across from me at their big table waiting for her, little, her phone to be fixed, and the guy who works there in the Apple store with a custodian type of t-shirt on, a shirt on with a name tag was on at the table just sort of very slowly just kind of doing not much rubbing his thing around and he sees her and I'm just peripherally and not trying to talk with anyone he says to her something like oh you, you know what are you waiting for you you know she's on my phone he says oh what and he's talking to her oh is it the battery oh it's good they're replacing your battery and she's being you know, you could, I'm sure she doesn't want to have to talk to this guy, but she's talking to him anyway, and she's going the whole conversation. Now, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking to myself, obviously, and it was, it was, there was no power, and it was no coercion or duress, and it wasn't even unpleasant. He was hitting on her. Anyway, there was no other way. He wasn't going to talk to me. Right. She, right? And, so, and it was obvious that he's making time, right? Yeah. He's making time. And she didn't, and she's, oh, nice talking to you, whatever. And she's like, okay, that's what I have to do. I'm 25. I'm beautiful in life. These schmucks come up to me and at least you, because this is in his workplace. She could have reported him. But it really was fairly, well, I'm making conversation. He was making conversation with a ba- beautiful babe, okay? Nothing else. It was all BS otherwise. If that happens to you at work, they're making time. So they come over to your desk. They're just making time. You say, well, no, they're not even actually, there is no power yet. And just like some of our cases, it's not even your boss yet. It's a coworker. He's making time. Right. Now the second day, he's making more time. And now it's like, oh, you know, hey, Dave, you know what? I, I have to get back to work now. You know, oh, I have a good. And just like one of those cases we had with one of the architects, young architects, the whole, her whole nemesis there was a co-colleague, really, just a co-worker who was a bit nuts, and he was, you know, go this, go follow me, go out to lunch, and do you want to go to the, you know, and he was just driving, and then when she, come, so when she finally said, and this is you, if it gets to the point, as a woman, where, you know what, I just, I don't, I don't come to work to have to actually deal with this shit, the way most, like, big, ugly men don't have to do. I'm not thinking about this, nobody's hitting on me at work. If, and it's okay. It's one thing if it's you're feeling, for whatever reason, in any young woman's life, it's a bit flattering for a time to be in a place where men find you attractive because they're, they look like George Clooney and they're elegant about it somehow. Great. But most of the time, if it gets to the point where you say, you know what, stop. I don't want to have this conversation. Now it's interfering. There's opportunity cost to talking to your ugly ass. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. You're only hitting on me because it makes you feel all sexy, whatever. I don't want to. So just like the young architect, she went to somebody and just said, you know what, can you pull him off me? However she said it, but 
but it was very just like, you know, I don't want to have to. And instead of doing, again, what a company has to do by law is to look into it and to sit, bring in Jerry and say, Jerry, okay, this, you know what? We don't know, and I'm not ascribing any intent to you and whatever, but you need to no longer have conversations with Jennifer because I don't think she finds them welcome. Okay, and you need to take a little of sensitivity training and understand how this works. Okay, and if they call off the dogs, she has nothing. It's just that companies often circle the wagons around the guy, especially if the guy is more important to them, like the case today when that guy's like, if he's between you, we have a case. It's between the female who works in the kitchen and the guy who's writing dirty, profane. I want to screw you things in her in her book in the kitchen and when she went to complain the manager of the place said if it's between you and him it's him he's more important you want to leave quit and to show you how crazy these often companies are here's a significant new york city based company very successful when the just so tell the story when the owners were advised which is what we tell everybody, you have to do. You have to. When it gets to the point where it's, you know, you can't take it anymore, you don't want to, and it's like, I'm definitely not going to just come in every morning and have to deal with this, you must complain, and you should make it count, and don't just do it by the water cooler because it's too casual, and you know, and, and you may have no proof of it, but you want to say, you know, I wanna, I'm speaking up for myself. I don't, I don't like this. So she went to the owners of the company, and what did they write to her? Sorry, deal with this. We don't have time for this. Deal with the woman who already blew you off, and then they tell her, go speak to then the assistant manager who has a nickname, and I'll give an, an alternative nickname. Yeah, really. She has a nickname like Cupcake, okay? So they're calling her by her like cutesy nickname. It's obviously not her given name. And they say, go talk to Cupcake. And she says, well, I'm not doing that. And they say, well, maybe then have your attorney call Cupcake. Like this whole like dismissive, silly thing. So, of course, today when we FedEx them a letter saying, you know, we're not talking to Cupcake. <laughs> We're talking to you, bitch. Okay? And you're the ones who are going to have to deal with this. And eventually, and they're going to learn very quickly that, you know, they're going to wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, so often they get it wrong. And so if they then get it wrong, at least you will have stood up for yourself. And if you have it, you know, this is all about, I guess, the, the you know, the, the empowerment and sort of what's bravery, you know, and in terms of do you go through life feeling objectified and sexualized? Or do you say, you know what? It's not about. I'm not worried about losing this job. You know, I'm worried about having integrity and feeling, you know, good. And, and I understand the economy is difficult, but I'm not talking about. And I'm not quitting because that's giving up and throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So it's not giving it to fear. This is what you talk to people about all mm-hmm. the time. Yes. It's sort of, you know, screwing your courage to the sticking place and through with it through the fear. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're shaking or you're crying. Through the fear, you write, you go see, you document that this shit's not right. In the way that you do it, you don't you say a little more than this shit's not right. You say, "I don't like the way I'm being treated because as as a woman working here, and these are the reasons why. I've been an outstanding employee except ever since Joe was hired, he's made me feel diminished. He sees me as he says things to me, he sexualizes me, it's illegal, I need help, please investigate it. You're not threatening them, you're not copying a lawyer, you're, you're making them take a look at this, and you know what, they're supposed, they have to investigate it, and they have to fix it. And if they don't fix it, you have a case, okay? You have to do it by the book. It, Oftentimes, though, uh, and this is something else I'll say, so you, you must notify the employer formally, meaning put it in writing, Understand or be aware that many times, a high percentage of times, they will come back and say they investigated, they don't see the same thing you see, be it based on race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever it is. Right. We We don't see it. Thanks for letting us know. We'll put a note in everybody's folder. But but what they're not saying that we know is the good part. Here's this is beautiful. Here's the here's the get, get out your pen. This is the good part. Is that by doing that when you've complained about Jimmy keeps and he and he asked me out and one day he said to me, "Well, you look hot in that dress." And you and well, this is something that you know they go, "Oh my God, she's this would be sexual harassment if we had proof." They take it under advisement, and they say, we take this seriously, we're going to investigate it. They come back and they say, Jimmy, 
denied saying all that. He really says that's outright. You know, we've, Jimmy's been here for 12 years. He's never done that. Anybody, blah, 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 blah. He's got three kids. They're all girls. He wouldn't do that. There's no witnesses. It's a he said, she said. So we've got it. Thank you for reporting it. We're an EEO employer. We've got it in your file. But we don't. This would, and this would also apply if you felt that for the fifth time you weren't getting the promotion because of your race, your nationality. We get that a lot. Uh, and someone I was very moved by last week, um, she had to jump through hoops to get this promotion. And they told her she had to take a cut in pay to start as a manager, that she was making more as a whatever, okay. and that to be the manager she had to take a cut, and then she'd get a big jump later on. And okay. she fell for it. Until she found out that her comparator um, uh, managers were making more than she was. And they were American? Of, of and different, yeah. Ethnicities or national e- origin? Ethnicities than okay. she. So, so, again, I said, well, this is what you need to do. Here's the But why process. do you, but while we're talking about this, and if anyone has it, and wants again, to call us. And, again, it's putting it in writing. Okay, and, you know, we, we are... Tuckner, Sips, and Weinstock, and Sips are the women's rights and the workplace advocates. Deborah O'Rell, Jack Tuckner, 212-766-9100. You could email us at womensrightsny.com. Um, when you feel, whether it's because of your religion, your national origin, your age, your disability, your gender, because you're pregnant, this is a big one for us. It's, you know, forget it. Everybody messes up. It must be, I mean, it's, it's just sort of part of the natural order of things in a corporate world that pregnancies and women who go through almost sort of having like temporary infirmity, like, you know, it's more difficult. You've got to go to the bathroom way more. You've maybe got a morning sickness the first trimester. You have way more doctor's appointments. You just, you can't work sick 18 hours in a row. You can't go out and drink with the clients. There's a lot you can't do that requires some flexibility. And often corporations don't wish to be flexible. It's like have the baby on your time. But anytime you complain to your organization, so whether it was about this woman saying, I got duped into taking a pay cut because of who I am and where I'm from, or the person saying, you know what, I really didn't think I have to play nice with Jeremy because he's, you know, because he's got a seniority on me and he finds me so cute and I'm like the low girl, I have to giggle and be cute. It's how they respond to that. So if the company right. responds and says, First of all, you know what? You're right. We're wrong. You're smart. We're dumb. Jerry, we've spoken to him. Now, even when they say, as you said, they often say, we see it differently. So it's in the file. Thank you very much. Goodbye. That's cool. It can be cool because what you might see happen is that they brought in Jeremy and said to him, listen, pal, I, I, we, you know, we understand you didn't you know, touch her, say anything to her, whatever. Maybe she's a lying sack of sand. We get that. Okay. We can't prove it. Or we love you. But here's the deal. You know, you're on notice now because if she sues us or if this happens again or whatever, pick someone else. You see her walk to the other side of the room. Now, it doesn't always work that way, people being people. It often doesn't. But if Jeremy were to actually avoid you from now on and not otherwise take it out on you or retaliate or not answer your emails and the company doesn't otherwise just says, thank you for letting me know. We've spoken to Jeremy. It should be over. It's nipped in the bud. Great. You've accomplished it. And what else have you accomplished? The record. So if two months from now they say, you know what? Vengeance is a dish best served cold, we heard in The Godfather. So we waited two months, and now we're firing you for some bullshit reason that we've made up known as a pretext. Um, You would have a leverage, ammunition, some fodder for – to get something from it, some money. You'll go to a lawyer, and a lawyer like us would say – you know what? If you complained of sexual harassment two months ago and then you were fired now out of the blue after working five years and you really they don't have a paper trail on you for all the bad things you've done, it kind of smells like backlash because you right. complained about an important guy. And then you know what? Again, I don't. we don't wish litigation, lawsuits upon anyone. It's not like Boston Legal. It's not a John Grisham novel. It just ain't. None, none of that stuff happens. Can you imagine if in the fifth... Well, you know what? The best one, and this is off topic, but my cousin Vinny... Yeah, well, you know the they went one. to a trial over the weekend. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that, but it was over yeah, the weekend. They it was sh- literally, you know, I've put this on for Monday. 
<laughs> and I think. Oh, was, you mean you just yeah. it started, right? Exactly. It just started That's it. within and, days. Right. Exactly. Now, in days we of your all arrest know that. Well, even more important. I always say this. So I'll just say because I think it's funny. <laughs> when I started, I never saw Boston Legal. You know, first run, and just a few years ago, when Mia said, "I love this show," you have to. I love this show. She was TV. You know, was on every night or whenever. She says you have to watch it because you know, the Spader reminds me of you. You know. He's heavy set like you, and he looks like you, and he's, you know, he reminds me of you as a lawyer. That's how I picture you doing. And I watched the show a couple few times, and it's like, it's hilarious because it's hard to take it seriously. And it doesn't do us any good as actual practicing lawyers because what, here's what happens. First minute of the show, woman's in the lobby. This is a big firm, you know, big corporate-type firm. She calls upstairs. They call up, and they say to William Shatner, who plays Denny Crane, the lead managing partner who's already half-demented, and they say, there's a woman in the lobby who says she needs to see you. And does she have an appointment? No. Okay, what if she needs to see you? It's very important. Does she have money? No. It's All right, send her up. You know, anyway. Yeah, like Sen- that'll happen. Sends her up, <laughs> and here she is, says, listen, I'm accused of murdering my father. You know, I didn't do it. I don't have any money. You're Denny Crane. I want you to take my case. Sorry, I don't. This is pro bono. I don't do this anymore. You know, within two minutes, he's, of course, taking the case. Now, ten minutes into the show, it's now it's not Monday. That was Monday. Tuesday, they're in court picking a jury. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, you know, within 45 minutes, she's acquitted, carried around the city in a chair. Right. You know, all of this happens. And, you know, they're summing up, talking to the jury like Andy Griffith used to do. And right. So, in a way... When we get to court, like sort of real lawyers, and you're sort of talking to a jury, and it's sort of almost definitionally freaking boring sometimes, is like it takes forever. People are like, "Where's this Matlock shit? Like, you know, how come you're not? You're no fun. Like, right. where, how come you know you're boring me?" So yes, it doesn't so happen I, like I, that. So that's so, one another thing that I will say when I want to sue them, and it's like, "Excuse right, okay, me, just right, so that I can years, help right, you right, manage wanna, expectations exactly, now." Exactly. You don't right, want to sue right. them. So for everybody out there, well, well, let me say, why don't you want to sue them? And maybe I mean, what well, do you know why all, you don't want to sue them? Well, I'll tell you what yeah. I say, and then you tell me if <laughs> right. I'm saying it right. Okay. Um, first of all, you're out of a job. Don't you need money now? Like, isn't you know, either you're about to be fired, you were just fired. Don't you want to try and get a settlement, get some money, get get this corrected, be made whole sooner than later? So, therefore, what we try to do and why we are big proponents of mediation is not to go through litigation, to not go down that road, but to try and invite the employer to a mediation with an independent neutral to resolve the issue. Right. But and that's all that's all and accurate. Because, I'm not saying that's not accurate. Okay, but lit- litigation you're talking years and years and years and a lot of money. Well, you're talking years and years and years and a lot of money, but I think even more specific for people who just say, okay, like, or why is that, is that most people say, again, without knowing, and it's part of Boston Legal and, and, and John Grisham novels, is I want to sue those, you know, sue the bastards, sue those assholes. Oh, how much you want to sue for? Millions, you know. What's it based on? They fucked me up. I'm, 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 you know, I'm hurting, or they fired me, or they were nasty. There's never any, you know, the reality is, of course, that your litigation, going to court, going to trial, as you said, whether it's in state court or federal court, anywhere in this world, in this country, is going to take, you know, three to five years. And during that time, you're going to be put through your paces, sister. I mean, put through your paces. There's going to be, first of all, you know, even if you're not paying your lawyer, lawyers like us that will accept your case because it's so wonderful because you've now, and it doesn't just happen on the first phone call, because you've been discriminated against, because you've been treated really badly, because there's a record, because there's a paper trail, because you've complained, because you've given them an opportunity to fix it, and because then they haven't fixed it. And what did they do? Surprise. They fired you. The one person they shouldn't have fired, boom, pow, you've got a case. Now, are you suing them yet? Well, the first thing is, in any employment case, mitigation. Damages, when people talk about, what, what can I, what's my case worth? I don't know. It may be worth nothing. What's your case worth when you're hit by a truck? If you're hit by a truck in New York City or a New York City bus that went through a red light, and there are witnesses. Now, everybody knows, every personal injury lawyer knows when they hear that, they'll say, like, 
awesome, right? That's when our friends would be running in the middle of the night to the hospital. This is a great case. There are three witnesses. She was hit by a bus, New York City bus, that went through a red light. The only question is now for that lawyer and all these lawyers is when they're salivating about they have liability now because it's dealing with a municipality like New York City. There's plenty of money. They're going to settle. And there's no question they're guilty. You weren't drunk. You didn't, you didn't cross against the light, etc. You were hit by a bus. Now the only question is how bad is your injury? Right? How bad are your injuries? What happens if the bus damages? Well, your damages. Your har- we say in our line of work, your harms and your losses, because damages are often considered personal injury, like what your actual physical hurt was. So, what are, what is the personal injury? How much is that case worth when you hit by a bus? Well, it could be if you were hit by the bus and you were twenty five and you were an elite athlete, let's say, and now you're a quadriplegic and you can't work anymore and you have a family. And you're going to be confined to the wheelchair and someone feeding you and wiping your tuchas for the rest of your life. That may be worth many, well, tens of millions of dollars. It's true. If it went to trial, a jury might say, you know, damn, but for the grace of God go I. Or what's not to give the city? This person needs this money. It's so appalling. What happens if the bus hits you, knocks you down, and you have, you know, you have, you have soft, t- you didn't break anything. You're fine, really. You have, now you go, oh, you know, my ne- I've been never the same. And you go, what are you doing for treatment? Chiropractic. I've got radiculopathy. So I'm in, I'm in such pain. But really, there are no breaks, no losses of limbs. And you kind of, and every doctor is saying, yeah, we can't sort of figure it out. It's just kind of lumbar. You know, she's just, a, it may be worth very little. Because it's like, okay, what does that mean? And, and, you know, psychologically, well, you know, get over it and go get a job. In our cases, it's never permanent. You're never quadriplegic. You never get legs broken in six places. All you do is get fired or lose your job when you can get another one. And, in fact, you have to try to get another one no matter how bad your discrimination was. You must Try to continuous and always, even if you're going to court, you have to look for replacement work. So how, how long are you going to be out of work? Even if, you, even if you are out of work for five years, you're going to have to prove that you couldn't possibly replace this job. Why? Isn't some of that because of you? So the fact is employment cases are not tickets to, you know, they're not lottery yeah. wins and so forth. So, you know, the, you don't want to be in litigation where you're going to have to hire forensic psychiatrists. They're going to examine you themselves, other psychiatrists, which is deeply in, intrusive and invasive. You're going to have, you know, many other expenses and other experts. And plus, it's very uncomfortable and you're reliving this with your feet in the mud for years and years with, again, no guarantee of ever getting anything. So as you were saying, it's always better to try to teach them a lesson, to stand up for yourself, show optimal regard for yourself, to put it on the record. If you, for different reasons, are you still working? Depends on if you're still working there or you're already gone. But you want to get some redress where you could say to your children, to your significant other, to yourself when you're in your rocker and when you're 80, you know what? Back in the day when I worked at Carvel and I was pregnant and they didn't give me a seat to sit in to, you know, and I got into some issue and I had to hire a lawyer. You know what I felt good about? I hired a civil rights lawyer who specialized in this, who took my case into me seriously. I was able to sort of stand up for myself. And you know what? At the end of the day, literally and figuratively, I feel I got something out of it. It didn't change my life, but I got a certain amount of money. I put some of it away from my unborn baby's college fund. I think that they didn't probably do this now to the next woman. Nobody ever brought up pregnancy discrimination at Carvel. And I feel like I spoke truth to power mm-hmm. and was a, da- was a Davy to their Goliath. And I feel good about it. And you know what? I wouldn't have gotten 10 cents if I didn't stand up for myself. And then life goes on. I still have to work. I'm not rich. Didn't change the world. That's what it seems to me all about. How do we optimize our work environments? And if it is going wrong, what do we do about it so that we're not victimized or we don't have that victim mentality, right, which people call up with all the time? And then you also have to say, you know, you don't want to keep sort of perpetuating right. this victimization. Right. You know, how do you turn that around? And, and again, it's it depends completely on the situation. But go ahead. OK, so I want to switch topics. Yeah. So a woman, mostly mm-hmm. working, believes uh, based on uh, certain factors, believes she's being paid less than her equals. Right. Um, 
Maybe she has an equal in the North Carolina office. Maybe there's a, you know, and it's a woman, but maybe there's a man here. But they're all pretty much in the same job, and she's making less. Right. But she doesn't have access to what everyone is actually making. Right. How do you, but based on conversations, based on, you know hearsay, things like that. She's pretty confident that everybody else is making more than she is. But because she is Hispanic, African-American, a woman, you know, whatever the the fill-in-the-blank is, how do you go about the pay disparity? Well, this is, you know, we ought to do a whole show on equal pay. And right now, in fact, I'd like to, and we'd only have 20 minutes left to go through even just some, you know, what's age and talk about some of them. Because what's an age, we don't know if we haven't talked about, just so people know, when do you think, when do you have an age discrimination case? But in terms of um, equal pay, because it is complicated and some of the laws that are now, that are constantly almost, um, you know, that are under consideration by both our Congress and by various states to equalize the notification of what people earn so that people do know how else you're saying because that is a well, problem transparency. The transparency that was what people right. have been calling a lot about this and right. saying well with the new law and i have to qualify right. that this is only for federal contractors right right and but but basically you know it is basically it's equal pay for equal work so right if you're a male if you're a female bartender right who, but i only think Bob's making more than me. Well, if, how if, do well, you're I? Not, then you won't be able to find out, and so you ha- you're not going to if Bob's not telling you. And until and unless companies need to publish that, or you know it, if you work for the government and you see I'm a G three, right? Well, then you're not probably going to have that issue. But in the private sector, where women do make less than men for comparable work, you don't know. So maybe you know if you if you don't know and you're just guessing because you know that women make seventy cents on the dollar. I don't know that, you know, I would probably stake out my sort of reputation and future longevity of this company by just saying something, you know, out of the blue that you hope is not true. But if you have reason to believe, I mean, either because you saw his paycheck or he told you or someone else told you or it's common knowledge that that there's a system in place which is supposed to administer uniformly and systematically the pay and you have the same experience, the same education, education the same seniority. I mean, you know, there's always something. And there's yeah. even in the, in the EPA, there's always this other, there's like one other catch-all, which is the worst one. Any other factor, in addition to experience, if the man, they get to say, well, wait a minute, he has a master's degree. Excuse me. Wait a minute. He's um, been oh, here a year two. later. Well, I'm saying, well, then it's a non-issue. But if, if they get to say, wait a minute, you're barking up the wrong tree because he may make $5 more an hour than you do and you seem to be doing the same job as bartender, but he's a mixologist and you're not. He's been here two more years. He attended this other seminar. Um, he's got merit rate. You know, he's gotten raises here through merit and things that you haven't. He's gotten bonuses or whatever. And then there's this catch-all under the EPA, which is any other factor that the company wishes to consider other than sex. So they could come up with pretty much anything. They could say anything. You know, it's because he was on jury duty three times this year. As long as it's not, a, I mean, they really can, and that's the, always been the problem, which is why no one, you know, that is our least, most plaintiff's law firm. It seems like there should be a lot of equal pay cases when women right, make 70 cents. Right, there aren't any. I but, mean, that's, but that's the point, is that um, they can't always prove it. Right. Now, this woman... I was just asking the question in general, but this woman in particular uh, works is uh, the controller, mm-hmm. so she sees everybody's. She knows what everybody makes and what everybody's paid, okay. so she knows okay. she's being paid less. And it was a little bit more complicated, but I just thought that was, you know, it's a good topic because women are underpaid, even in companies where they list the title. Here's the age range for. You know, kind of like a government, you know, I'm a G2 or something. Right. But in a lot of, um, like, Time Warner kind of companies where they'll have, you're a director, so the salary ranges from, you know, this to this. But if you're at the bottom, you know, well, how, how come I'm still at well, the bottom? Sometimes you do have to ask because, as we also learned, when, you know, there is this, I've heard this for many years, although no one articulates it anymore, well, they'll say, you're this female, you're a 38-year-old female, you're a director, and Bob 
is the 43-year-old man. He's a director. He makes more money. Bob has got a wife and 3.2 kids and lives in, you know, Scarsdale. You're a single female, number one. I mean, this is actually, but this is, goes through the minds of people. You know, he needs it. He's got mortgages and so forth. And he's a white male and so forth. Um, and, and, you know, we don't, you just simply don't rate. But what it often comes down to is they'll say, excuse me, you negotiated that salary, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's that part of it where, like the... Well, lawyer the... we're representing in a in a uh, an equal actually an equal pay case, who said um, I just found out and she found out that a younger, mailer associate was making like forty grand more, and they said, "Hey, who asked us for this? You did. You're the one who negotiated this." And there's that part that our guest Ruth Raisfeld mentioned once, is that if you come in and you say I'd like between eighty and ninety thousand, that's you say, I like 80, 90, and they say, all right, 80 or 85. You didn't even say you get 80 and 90. We think you're going to take 90. So they pay you 80. And then it turns out, what happens if you had asked for 130? I don't know if they would have paid it for you, but that's the. So, right. so one way to deal with it is if you suspect that Bob makes more money, you could also say, you know, I'm not earning what I'm worth. I have an understanding that there are other people who do comparable, do the comparable work right now, making more money. And I believe that I need to, you know, earn more without threatening them and calling it an equal pay right. violation, right? I mean, isn't that... Yeah. And, you know, and that's an interesting point that you negotiated it. And I was very fortunate uh, early in my 20s. You're not in your 20s now? Yeah. In my dreams. Um, no, I love my age. Um I learned I learned the best negotiating lesson. Um, you know, I was with Les Goldberg, bless his soul, he's now passed away, but he taught me in this one big lesson. I said, I want, and I had sweated bullets over what that number would be and got the courage and talked to 20 people and this was the number, this felt right, he should say yes to this. And I said, I want... 75 or whatever the number was and he said okay anything else and it was like what a schmuck I was right I should have asked for the 130 or the other benefits or things or you could have whatever but you were but you didn't value yourself but this exactly. is what we talked about this earlier today yes and so it's not something and like we all could use a little coaching or that yeah. you know it's like that whole idea of confidence yeah I mean there is no I think I had more confidence at a younger age than I do at this moment some of it you know what it takes actual like discipline and training and practice like exercise you have to use it so and women I think by our own acculturation in it's a society true. often just don't think that you know that it's first of all it's not very ladylike. Right, yeah. Or feminine to go in and say, you know, you're going to pay me this because I'm freaking worth it. And if you don't, I'm going to walk the way guys do. It's like, what do you think? I'm fucking playing? Right. I'm saying this is like I got to pay bills. I got a family. You know, women and children can fool around. Men can't. Right. Vito Corleone. So, you know, um, so that but so the answer to that is uh, demand what you're worth. And sometimes you have to just you have to just state it. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Let them well, say you're wrong. And then to the people who work hourly wage jobs, what, what's the time you're looking well, like? Well, I have, we have 12 okay. minutes. Okay. And then for the people who do work hourly wage jobs, which are not to be dismissed because that is what the middle class was based on. Right. So, or cannot be so quite so cavalier in, you know, pay me this or I'm going to quit. Uh, usually hourly wage positions, yeah, so quit. You know, there are 10 people, 20 people waiting for this job. But what holds us back from saying or asking for the raise is our own reluctance, our own fears. So it's being aware of that. Right. Okay. Okay. Awareness is because so many people will say, "Yeah, but if I if I complain about this, I really will get fired. If right. I ask for this, I will but that, so right, you know." But that's but that's a construct. It's your mind messing with you, right? And it's the fears and the thoughts and the anxieties and the overthinking and the wretched. All of that stands in the way of 
getting, earning what you're worth, getting what you want, being brave, taking control, taking action. And again, I, you know, I think, I think that those of us in our culture who, I mean, maybe our CEOs that pull down hundred million a year, we understand certain numbers of them are like sociopaths. They go a little too far, but you know, like Cheryl, what's her name from, uh, oh, it's not Cheryl. Who is the Meg, what's her name, the billionaire who was ran uh, whatever company? Yahoo? Not Yahoo. Meg oh, uh, Whitman. Uh, HP. Yeah, HP. Meg uh, something or other. Yeah. Anyway, you know, one of her. Whitman. She, Whitman. Is that her? Is that Meg or Whitman? Or is that the governor of New Jersey? Uh, that, yeah, I think, and that's not, here. Yeah, we'll, we'll not have time for that, but, and we should know it. But, um, <laughs> Meg, I'll look it up here. What's her name? <laughs> Meg, was it HP? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't. Meg Whitman. That is exactly oh, her. Was it her as an American business executive? Yeah, yeah and she's she ran... worth two billion dollars. Yeah, right. But Meg Whitman said something like, and now I'm just you know going to mangle it. But that all negotiations involve a certain amount of pressure. You can't sit at a table and just, there's a pressure involved in it. And the more successful negotiations have a certain amount of pressure. Some of it you bring to bear. You have to. Doesn't mean you're schmuck or you're playing dirty pool. But uh, you know, I think that. We all have to have a little bit of an edge in business, and some you know, men seem to have, I don't say, I know that it's not true that men are making 22 cents more an hour because you know, they demand it and women don't. Women don't get it because women don't get it. It's part of you know, I call infantilizing women. It's part of what we do. There's a, a whole number of you know, hypotheses of how and why this has happened. But women pay women less. Women pay women less, right? So right. it's just part of the. Uh, well, that the was whole. that really good study that was done, uh, evaluating musicians. That they put musicians. I, I forget what symphony or orchestra it was for, but they put them behind curtains and they auditioned them, and then offered them jobs and money. Right. And when they were behind the curtain. The women were offered the same exact money that the men were offered. Right. Without the curtain, right. women were consistently offered less money. Right, right, right. And consistently. Well, look, we have a case right now where a woman, you know, uh, an accomplished professional young woman with a college degree applied for some job up, in fact, it's upstate. Um, and, and it was a you know resume where they send with photos on it. Oh, and she was a person yes. of color, yes, beautiful young woman. Then they changed it. She just sent it in with a white, same exact resume with a white face. And, you know, he was interested in before, you know, we have no jobs. I mean, you know, right. and that's common and you'd understand that, you know, as well. And so we'll be, um, you know, filing that case because it's a smoking gun one. Well, these are the things that over time might eventually make a difference. But it's not going to be through litigation that the world probably gets changed. It's going to be through, you know, awareness and one step at a one time. One step at a time. Right. So, um, and it is true that when you, uh, that money does raise awareness. When they have to write that check, that's it right. does That's raise right. awareness. Right. So does. there's nothing right. wrong right. with wanting a settlement. You lost your position uh, through no fault of your own, that your civil rights were violated, asking and demanding some sort of compensation is not wrong. And that sends a very powerful message right. to employers. Right. Well, what about age? Just Which to the veterinarian, look how they've changed their systems already. What have they changed? Well, I thought that they implemented some new guidelines well, I, in terms of... Oh, oh in, in terms of uh, maternity you know, issues? I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, okay, well, the jury's out on that one. But, uh, and, you know, again, maternity issues well, just I for... Well, I took that as a positive. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Well, for those of us out there that are pregnant... Um, we and have are working. a free ebook that we explains have a free e-book. all of Thank this. You. And it's uh, downloadable. There'll be a landing page for it. I think we're switching our website in the next few days, but it's still findable now at womensrightsny.com. If you want to, right on the front homepage, free, a free, free ebook tells you what to do. Immediate download answers all your questions. Yeah. Gives you a sample uh, notification letter. Exactly. Um, exactly. Breastfeeding, FMLA. Right. Yes, Very you good. are entitled to an FMLA leave. Uh, it answers all your questions, yeah. and if you still have a question, you, call you, us. You are entitled not so much to FMLA leave. You're in, 
entitled to maternity leave. Maternity That's the, leave. Right? I'm sorry. So yes. everybody, and so I'm saying this now, and again, you, this is the the free download is at womensrightsny.com. You could pick it up at Amazon for two ninety nine, but you get it free at our website. So why don't you do that at womensrightsny.com, or call us at two one two seven six six nine one hundred with any questions, Jack Tuckner and Deborah Orell. But um, you're entitled to maternity leave, with very few exceptions. People say there's all, you know, oh, they're not, they don't have 50 employees. I haven't worked there a year. They don't have 15 employees. They tell me this, that, they can't afford it. You're entitled to maternity leave. You're a female, you're a woman, you're with child, you're having a baby, you have a job. They might not have to give you more than six weeks, the smallest employer. And again, I'm not talking, I, I am talking every state in the union, actually. I mean, you know, the, with, with very few exceptions, very few. you're entitled to maternity leave. And it might be as little as if you're in the tri-state area here in New York, because I speak more knowingly about New York and Connecticut and New Jersey. But if you work for a tiny employer with, let's say, in New York and Connecticut, four employees, you're still going to be entitled to at least six weeks of maternity leave, depending on... Did you have a cesarean section? Was it a vaginal delivery? Did you have any other complications? Um, and they might not pay you. You'll get some disability, but they can't fire you. So they're making it up when they say that. So go into, in the last two minutes, I guess we have, you want to touch on age discrimination? Well, I just wanted to mention because we haven't talked about it because it affects age a lot of people too. Age, well, age, well, age is this. First of all, age under federal law, the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, the Older Workers Benefit Protection Act, 40 is the, is the magic number. So when you turn 40 and after 40, you are in a different category. That's when it starts up. So and it can't be because you're 26 and being treated differently. Well, not not under federal law. See, right. under New York state law, it's any age, 18 and up. So if New York, and I had one of these not long ago. She was, whatever, 22, and she felt they were all older, and they weren't taking her seriously, even though she had all what she needed, and they replaced her with a 35-year-old. It's like, this is age discrimination, commonly, wrongly called reverse age discrimination, um, the same way as it's reverse discrimination when it's female-on-male sexual harassment that people don't normally take as seriously unless you could see that it's something you know, genuine or reverse race discrimination, which is hard to take as seriously for probably pretty obvious reasons generally. So age discrimination under federal law, yes, you have to be 40. If you're 40 and you feel you're being discriminated against and they fire you and replace you with a 39-year-old, you know, I, I wouldn't probably spend a lot of time in court on that one. Um, wh- why would they have done that? You know, you're going to have to show that they're that they're not firing you because of the 4,000 reasons they'll give why you were deficient or they don't like you. They're firing you because you're a doddering old ditty, bitty, whatever it is, right? <laughs> so it better not be that you're some unbelievably fit. You know, it depends on if, if you're in a if you're in a youthwardly trending culture, maybe it'll make sense. Usually it gets to the point of people of a certain age, as we say, especially women in their 50s and beyond, where you know their utility starts to diminish as far as you know people or you know you start losing that you know men think of you less or people, men and women probably, you're no longer you're on the other side of that hill. And there is a difference. I always say this and I said it to a jury once when I was explaining these distinctions. In fact, it was the time when Hillary Clinton was running the first time against George Bush. They were both 60. And Rush Limbaugh was saying, do we really want to look at this hard, grow older with her cankles and her... She's an old... You know, she's... We're looking at... She's an old lady. She's a menopausal. She's no longer... Nobody's sexualizing her. Ew. Bush, meanwhile, at 60, was central casting perfect power, salt and pepper hair. He's the guy you want to see on the bench when you walk out into the courtroom. That's my judge. is perfect. That's my doctor, right? That's my president. He looked great. That's the double standard, which is why Clint, as I always said, and I still Clint Eastwood at 75, Sean Connery at 80, they were paired with women 30 years, 40 years their junior, in yes. the, right? Yep. You never have a 75-year-old female as, uh, you know, yeah. the leading lady in right. in that Clint Eastwood movie where he was playing, you know, in the line of fire was Renee Russo, and right. he's 75. Right. So we have double standards, but in work, in a private sector... You, they can't do that to you if they treat you. And so if you're 48 or 58 or 68 and you're being discriminated against because of your age and they're putting you out to pasture, it could be that they say you make too much money. But that's often tied to that's a that's a distraction if the person that they're paying less money to is 28. Of course, you'd get someone cheaper for less, but that's age discrimination. And under New York law and Connecticut law and probably your state's law, it doesn't have to be 40 or some states are 40. It might just be, you know, even you could say it at 39 if you happen to feel it's age related. So that's important because many of us, at least at our age, when you lose your job in your 50s these days, 
you know how, I mean, what are the chances, especially if you've spent 20 years and you're making money now, you may, you know, those are the people you go to borders to get a job making 10 an hour and you're, right. it's really hard to recover. And most people never recover, actually, when you're our age in our culture right now. So I'm hearing our music, so Ooh. that tells me that I've been babbling again way too long. But I've had a good time uh, with you today. Jack Tuckner, Deborah O'Rell, women's rights in the workplace advocates. Tuckner, Sipser, Weinstock, and Sipser. We're at 120 Broadway, New York City. You can find us on the web, though, at womensrightsny.com. We have a blog. We have a website. We look forward to hearing from you. You Give us a call. All the consultations are free. Email us. Call us. If we can't help you, we'll find someone, hopefully, who can. And we'll see you next year. Next week. Next week, I don't think we are here, are we? Yeah, I think we you are. said next week we were not here. It's 29th. We're here? All right. We'll okay, look it we'll, up. Have to, we'll look it up. Um, either way, we'll be seeing you soon. And thanks for stopping by. And uh, hope that you learned something useful. And if it ever comes up in the future, save this number. Okay. Okay.